0: The IRS may soon require an online selfie for online access. The UK is running a massive anti-encryption campaign to undermine security. Briar got a desktop client for Linux and so much more. Welcome to Surveillance Support 72 where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report recaps on the most notable events in the last week. I am Henry from TechLore. I am Nathan from The New Oil. I wanted to shout out the fact that we have thousands of people who watch this on YouTube and other platforms and Nathan does not have that many subscribers on YouTube (laughs) with the new oil (laughs) and I'm here to tell you you're not allowed to watch the rest of this surveillance report unless you go over to the new oil on YouTube or whatever platform you're watching on and subscribe Nathan just started putting out his own content recently and it's really solid and uh, you should go check it out He didn't know I was doing this, but I'm putting him on on the spot. I did Um, not.
1: Thank you for the support, though. It is appreciated.
0: Yes, go check it out. He just put out a video recently about how to protect against identity theft, and it's very to the point. It's very fact-based, and it's all free. Um, It's all great information, so go check it out. Uh, We'll leave a link to it down in the description and with that we will jump into this week's highlight story which real quick by the way thank you guys so much for
1: leaving your comments about that last week and letting us know that you prefer the new new format it was very helpful and we will keep it going this week's highlight story is about the irs requiring selfies for online access so some of you uh americans may or may not be aware that the irs has an online platform and you can use this to uh for example like make payments. If you owe a really huge amount on your taxes, you can make payments there. Uh, You can pull previous returns from previous years. Unfortunately, the federal government is currently moving towards the platform called ID.me. And this is an extremely invasive third-party company who does identity verification services. I think that's kind of why the government likes them is because they dig so deep to make sure that you are actually you. Michael Basil has mentioned them before in one of his podcasts and what worked for him on avoiding them. We'll include that in the show notes. Basically, as they become more and more common, they will become harder and harder to avoid. An interesting note in this article is id.me started in e-commerce by validating customers who might be eligible for discounts like veterans and teachers and stuff like that. This just kind of proves how that stuff is a slippery slope and now it's grown into something that's almost unavoidable. Brian Krebs, who wrote the article that we're citing, suggests that unfortunately, this is a company that we are probably not going to be able to avoid. And it may be best to go ahead and plant your flag, which is what he calls it when you sign up for an account. Even if you don't actually intend to use that account, you basically sign up so that nobody else can sign up and pretend to be you. Unfortunately, I think he might be right. Probably attempt this sometime in the near future. If if I learn anything interesting, I'll let you guys know. But yeah, unfortunately, this is probably an example of having to plant your flag and there's probably not going to be a lot of ways around it. Just wanted to put that on the radar of all of our American listeners as tax season is coming up
0: and you probably don't want to get blindsided by this. And now we're going to transition into the data breaches section. We're going to start out with the Red Cross, who was hit with a cyber attack that compromised data of 515,000 highly vulnerable people. So the Red Cross, for those who don't know, is an international humanitarian non-government organization, and they have a very good score on things like Charity Navigator, so it's overall pretty good charity. The target was a Swiss company holding the data that concerned those enrolled in a program that reunited family members who were separated by conflict, disaster, and migration. At this time, the data has not been leaked, and the ICRC is begging the attackers to consider the human aspect and not to do it so we'll see if the uh, the guilt trip will, will work on them our next story goes in the opposite direction a fashion giant
1: called montclair has confirmed data breach montclair is an italian luxury fashion giant the attack took place in the final week of 2021 and montclair originally insisted this was just a temporary outage and then later on they changed their story and said there's a like a shipping logistics issue and now they are finally admitting data was stolen because it was published online, where you know they can no longer deny it. This data breach impacted cor- current and former employees, suppliers, consultants, business partners, and customers. They did not specify how many in this article. They said it includes earning statements and customer information, which again, they didn't specify what this includes invoices, and other documents. Moncler insists that payment data was not among this information as they do not store payment data. But number one, they've already lied twice. And number two, there's probably, again, depending on what data was stolen, we don't know. There could be names, dates of birth, phone numbers, emails, like plenty of other information to steal identities and cause damage. So if you live in Italy and you've shopped with them, keep an
0: eye on your credit report or whatever they have over there. Up next, the crypto.com CEO has confirmed hundreds of accounts were hacked. And hedges on other details. So Crypto.com is a cryptocurrency exchange who has reached mainstream knowledge via sports sponsorships with like the USC, the NBA, and the NHL. Um, Most notably, they struck a deal with the LA Lakers to rename the Staples Center to the Crypto.com Arena terrible so after days of denying anything was wrong despite user reports of drained accounts the ceo finally admitted that almost 500 users accounts were compromised he insisted that no customer funds were lost suggesting that the company might eat the damage good reminder not to store your funds in any exchanges people if you're using cryptocurrencies move over to your own local wallets. whatever that means pretty much anything's better than storing it in an exchange And our final data
1: breach, this is a quick one. It comes from Indonesia, where the central bank has confirmed a ransomware attack. They were kind of scant on details. Bank Indonesia confirms that they were breached. They says that, quote, non-critical data was stolen from the employees before ransomware was deployed. Conti, the ransomware gang, has taken credit for this attack and claims that they have 13.88 gigs of documents. But again, as far as I know, they have not really specified what those documents include. So it could be, you know plans for the building or it could be account numbers and stuff. We don't know at this time. Bank Indonesia at the time of this recording still has time to pay up. So we will have to wait and see if they do or if the data gets breached. And if
0: we hear anything, we will let you know. Now we're going to migrate to the companies section. We're going to start with Google ransomware and phishing. Google drive will now warn you about suspicious files. Title pretty much says it all. If Google suspects that a file is uh, in any way malicious, it will display a yellow banner at the top of the page between clicking and downloading. This is first rolling out to companies with Google Workspace, G Suite Basic, and Business, and those cannot be disabled. Personally, don't think this is terrible. If you're in the Google ecosystem, you shouldn't be expecting privacy in the first place, and this might actually help protect people on a security front, Um, but it's a good reminder that obviously Google tracks everything you do in the Google Suite, so if you're searching for privacy, you're not going to find that very much inside the Google Suites. Up next we're going to migrate over to Apple. Safari 15 has a bug that can leak your recent browsing activity as well as personal identifiers. So this stems from an issue with Apple's impl- implementation of IndexedDB which abides by, oof, which abides by the same origin policy. Apple's version does not abide by this policy and the website specific databases it creates are not visible to other websites. This currently affects when you access Google, Netflix, Twitter, Xbox, and more can even expose your Google uh, user ID. At this time, there's not many options on iOS since you're required to use WebKit on iOS, which is also vulnerable to this. However, if you're on macOS, you can just use any other browser outside of Safari, which comes built in and you should be safe. Our next story comes from Facebook,
1: where Facebook has lost a bid to dismiss user data privacy antitrust claims. So Facebook is in the middle of probably their 10 millionth lawsuit and a San Jose, California judge named Lucy Coe has ruled that the lawsuit may go forward and will not be dismissed. This case includes consumer claims that Facebook lied about data privacy practices, and it will also give advertisers the right to sue over Facebook's 2018 agreement with Google not to try to compete with each other. So, you know, Facebook won't make a search engine or an email or anything like that. I guess you could argue that Google didn't try to make a, uh, social media because they (laughs) failed at it pretty hard. Um, (laughs) Plaintiffs have 45 days to
0: amend and refile their complaints if they want to continue forward with this lawsuit. Our next story, uh, the McAfee antivirus has a bug that lets hackers run code with the Windows system privileges. Title says it all, Your antivirus has very deep privileges on your computer, and if there's any kind of bug in your antivirus, it can lead to some pretty severe issues. This is actually something touted by a lot of security professionals. They say, hey, yes, antiviruses can help grandma from downloading a virus, but it can also expose its own security issues in the process. So keep that in mind uh, if you choose to use an antivirus, which for most people we don't recommend outside of just Windows Defender on Windows.
1: Our next story comes from StartPage, the search engine, which is basically just a proxy for Google, for those of you who are not aware. They have launched their own privacy protection extension available for Chrome and Firefox. It's kind of like a competitor to the DuckDuckGo browser privacy or privacy browser extension. It, you know, displays a privacy score for websites, it uses a one to five scale, with one being the worst. It also blocks trackers and cookies and shows what's being blocked when you click on it and take a closer look. One neat thing, it can enable both global privacy control and do not track. Uh, GPC, for those who missed it, is what a lot of people are hoping is going to be the uh, effective successor to do not track. Do not track kind of never really had any teeth and it's largely being ignored by pretty much every company ever it can block link tracking so when you click on a link it'll remove the tracking portion and it can disable the prefetching of data on websites also changes your default search engine to start page once you install it which in my opinion is kind of crappy i i I don't know maybe it asks you if it does then i think that's okay but the article made it sound like it just does it without asking you. Um, Hopefully, it'll at least let you switch it back after it does that. Overall, as far as we can tell, there's really nothing here that's new. Uh, Like, regardless of your opinions on start page, there's, it doesn't seem like there's anything here that you can't replicate with a combination of uBlock origin and browser settings. And we are big fans of using as few plugins as possible to avoid browser fingerprinting. I mean, if you want this thing, by all means, it's your browser, don't let us stop you. But it... Probably for most people, this isn't really something you need to worry about, but it is out there.
0: All right. I just installed it. Oh, oh, we're doing a real-time test. Oh, man. And yes, it automatically changed the search engine. Um, however, I don't know if this is a Brave thing, but Brave prompted me, change back to your previous search engine. Hey, hey nice. So Brave is like, do you want to change it back or do you want to keep it um, with how it is? Okay, that's um, good. I don't know if that's a Chromium-based thing or not. But, should I, should um, I test it out on Firefox real quick? Sure. Um, yeah. It is worth mentioning that uh, I did test this earlier. I didn't check if it changed the search engine earlier, but I did test it earlier um, inside of Brave. I went to CNN.com, and Brave's built-in uh, tracker blocker took care of everything. So actually, it's, it's actually, and this is actually some constructive criticism, hopefully, it seems like the start page extension Ooh. feeds data in real time. So it gave CNN a score of like four or five because... Brave's built-in blocker already took care of everything. And so it's like, oh wow, this website that we're on is really safe. Um, But when I turned off Brave's shield, then it it gave CNN a rating of one and it started doing all the blocking. So it kind of shows that like in the Brave browser, that's not really that useful of a tool. Um, It might be something good inside the Chrome browser though. That's just a, a quick, super quick test that I did. Uh, I didn't check
1: it on any websites, but just now on Firefox, I installed it, and Firefox did actually pop up
0: with a little thing that's like, hey, this is trying to change your search engine. Do you want to let it? And we're going to quickly finish out the company news with some outages. We're going to go really quickly. Enom... Uh, had an outage while migrating data centers, Mail2World had an outage, Telegram had an outage, and really the moral here and why we even put this in is to have backups and redundancies in place for the things that you're reliant on in life. If your primary messenger went down today, would you be able to reach people? So please have backups for everything you use even if it's signal and trusted. That will take us into the research section and we're gonna start with a
1: report from BugCrowd who said that last year they found an increase in critical vulnerabilities in fact a 186 percent increase in privilege escalation vulnerabilities specifically with financial services company 24 of all submissions because this is like a um like a bug bounty website where you can go and report vulnerabilities 24 of all submissions included both privilege escalation and security software vulnerabilities So those two make up a quarter of all vulnerabilities cross-site scripting was the most common type of vulnerability and data exposure went from number nine to number three on the top 10 list vulnerabilities and problems like this are on the rise and they are unfortunately not going
0: anywhere so take your protection seriously up next more than half of medical devices have been found to have critical vulnerabilities this is based on analytics from over 10 million medical devices at over 300 hospitals and medical facilities worldwide. 53% of internet-connected medical devices have known vulnerabilities, and one-third of bedside devices have, quote, critical risks. These risks range from data breaches to patient safety. The fixes could be as simple as running software updates or just using non-default passwords. This stuff also like, carries over into things that actually like keep you alive, so it's probably an important thing for us to take seriously. And our final research
1: story, many tracking-free apps in iOS secretly track users. So this comes from a computer scientist named Conrad Kolnig. He goes to Oxford University, and he examined 1,682 randomly selected apps from Apple's App Store. 373 of those apps claim, through the little privacy label, that they do not collect any personal data. That is 22.2%, by the way, if you're more of a percentage person. However, 4 out of 5, which is 80%, 299 apps in total, contacted known tracking domains immediately after the app first launched and without gaining user consent. So these same apps that say we don't collect user data, as soon as you fired them up, contacted like Google Analytics or something like that. Yeah, this seems to really highlight the issue that Apple is not really enforcing the privacy label system. It's a little bit of an honor system, but it's also just kind of a very, like this is a perfect example. If uh, if the app itself doesn't collect your data or like the company doesn't collect your data, but they use Google Analytics, like does that count? Are these companies lying? It's, I I would vote yes for the record, but yeah, it's just. Apple. Apple needs to be more consistent with this. Is really what we're trying to say, I think. And yeah,
0: it, it's hard, man. Because like, I think Apple's goal is to simplify it. Like, let's just simplify privacy and make it easy for people to understand. Yeah. But I think maybe what they're yeah. learning is like, well, privacy is not that easy. There's like so many ways to track people. And yes, technically they might not be collecting user data, but does fingerprinting count? Does I does collecting their IP address count? Does collecting yeah. Uh, analytics count like what what does count Um, and I think it's I was just gonna
1: say we've covered that in other articles in the past of how like companies are resorting to like fingerprinting to get around this tracking ban that Apple has instituted the app tracking transparency or whatever so yeah it's really inconsistent that'll take us to our politics section we're gonna start off with a story from here in the US it says Democrats unveil bill to ban online surveillance advertising this bill would ban, quote, nearly all targeted digital ads, allowing for a few small exceptions like broad location-based targeting and contextual ads, which is where, like, you know, if I go to uh, DuckDuckGo and I type in pizza in Denver, Colorado, then it'll pop up with, you know, top 10 pizzas, like a paid ad that says, like, top top pizza in Denver or whatever. So, yeah, they're trying to ban this, like, really granular surveillance advertising where companies stalk you. I don't expect this to pass in any meaningful way, assuming that it does pass. You know, we we mentioned earlier tech lobbying outstrips nearly all other industries. Tech, big tech is spending so much money on lobbying. And so I would just fully expect that if this passes at all, it will probably be severely watered down and weakened to the point of being effectively useless. I would love to be wrong. And for the record, that's not a hit at Democrats. I'm sure if the Republicans introduced this bill, it would be the exact same way i would
0: feel exactly the same i think way. you're totally right like if this bill passed google's out of business the next day yeah yeah for real up next the u.s senate panel has approved an antitrust bill that would allow side loading cool So this antitrust bill, which is known as the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, has passed the committee. It will now go onto the Senate floor and then to the House of Representatives, then to the president. So there's still a ton more checks that we need to go through, but at least it got through the Senate panel. The main thing that this would do is allow people like Apple to allow sideloading on iOS. The politician response is mixed. Some people think it's too narrow in scope, while others say it's not specific enough. So we're going to hear mixed things about the bill. Um, currently, it does not include foreign companies, though, like TikTok. It's only U.S.-based companies. Uh, shocking nobody, Big Tech says this is bad. Um, as you can probably imagine, Apple will claim uh, this is a security thing, which, you know what, maybe they're a little bit right, but like, there's still ways that they can still keep iOS very secure while allowing sideloading. It's definitely more of a control thing uh, at the end of the day. So I hope this passes because using Alt Store, not great. I didn't even know there was an alt store for Apple. No. Yeah. So, you know, since you asked, um, alt store is kind of like a way that you can sideload apps on iOS, but it's very uh, janky. Like you I, have I think to, I've heard about that actually. Yeah. You you have to like on windows, I think it's in beta. I don't know if it's out of beta yet, but like on, on a MacBook, you have to like log in to the mail client and then you have to install the, the app store onto the phone. And then it only keeps things installed for like seven days. Uh, and then you have to like renew the license. It's, Ridiculous. It's like the most janky side loading option, and then on Android, you just get an APK file from like literally anywhere on the internet. Let's go ahead and move to the next article. The Sheriff's Department encrypts radio communications, and critics say that the move will reduce transparency. So the California DOJ has mandated requiring officers to protect sensitive data like names, driver's license numbers, and date of births, data they frequently send over the radio. Officers argue that it's not always feasible to manage two channels from an end-user perspective. This raises a lot of concerns about police transparency and accountability, like going dark. I don't know, I'd love to hear Nate's thoughts. I think I'm pretty mixed on it, because I could see how having to manage two channels as a cop in, like, a dangerous situation might be a little hard. But I also kind of agree, like, if you're chasing someone who's not even convicted of a crime yet... And you're just sharing their, their names, their driver's license numbers, pretty much to the public. I could see how that's a privacy invasion as well. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, yeah, it, it's...
1: I don't expect a cop in the middle of a, a stressful situation to, like, switch from the unencrypted channel to the encrypted one. And same thing, you know, if they're calling in a... They're doing a check on somebody they just pulled over, then, yeah, I don't want their name and date of birth publicly aired. But at, at the same time, I... I'm with you like I'm a I'm a real big fan of police transparency and accountability and so the idea of just like you know no we're just going to cut that out completely like I don't think that should be blown over and it, it also just it never ceases to amaze me when the government is like we need encryption because literally every time we sneeze that's classified information but at the same time they turn around and they're like well what do you need encryption for what do you have to hide and it's like I'm really more interested in keeping the politicians accountable to be totally honest. Okay, we're gonna have another law enforcement related story. The title says transforming traffic stops tickets to your inbox instead of getting pulled over. So police in Texas have a plan to streamline minor traffic infractions, while simultaneously reducing the risk of tense police interactions, using an opt in program where you can get a text or an email from the cops. So As I said, this is opt-in. You go online, you sign up, you put in your information, and then say, for example, the cop sees you speeding. They, like, put your your license plate into the system, and then they can text you a warning that says slow down, or they can email you a speeding ticket. Personally, this raises a lot of questions, in my opinion. Like, for example, isn't one of the reasons we pull over speeders to stop them from speeding? Like, isn't speeding supposed to be dangerous? So if I'm emailing you a ticket that you're not going to see for you know, a half hour at least until you get to your destination, you're still speeding the whole time. Also, uh, aren't you supposed to stay off your phone while driving? So why are they texting you or calling you and saying, slow down? Also, my other favorite quote from the article, they said, uh, and it's logged forever. Like, that's somehow a good thing. To play devil's advocate, there are some good sides to this. Uh, For example, they, they say that you can note possible disabilities, like being deaf or having severe anxiety. So this way, the cops know to kind of approach with that in mind. I'm totally not advocating for opting into this, but it does kind of make a point that if you're willing to opt into this, maybe you're a little bit less of a threat. Maybe the cop won't be so on edge when they come to approach you. They also claim the data is hidden from the officer. Like if they choose to send you a text, they don't see your phone number. They just tell the system, hey, text this person and say this, whatever number is registered to the account. Yeah, I don't know. This is really weird to me. This just shows how everything is going more and more digital. My question is who's actually gonna opt into this other than like grandma who really really thinks the cops have her interest at heart i I don't know a a little bit of a subjective opinion here on the plus side we can get some actual objective data on things like how often do cops give someone a warning versus giving them a ticket and then we can look for correlations like the type of car they were driving the race of the driver and things like that i i think it would shed some additional insight into the uh argument surrounding like police and racism in the u.s so i think that would be a, a a positive outcome of this
0: just know that this is the direction the world is moving in where everything is just super digital all right up next an inevitable digital intrusion into Maine's privacy drives a new push for constitutional amendment Maine, has per- Maine, the state in the U.S., has proposed adding a right to privacy in their state constitution. It would extend the requirement of a warrant to digital services like phones and digital accounts. Other proposals this election season include limit limiting third-party public record collections and restricting camera installations outside the home. It's unclear how much good this will actually do, but it lays an important foundation as well as an important discussion. Maine has taken other pro-privacy steps in the past, like banning facial recognition technology. So this is very exciting. I'm very excited to see what happens and comes out of this. Our next story is a really quick one. The headline says fines for breaches of EU privacy law spike sevenfold
1: as big tech bears the brunt. The EU data protection agencies handed out, um, I I actually want to bury the number on this one because I thought it was cool. So in 2019, they handed out $180 million worth of fines for breaking GDPR to big tech. Last year, that number jumped sevenfold to 1.2 billion, which I know is still like pocket change for these companies. But That's still cool that it jumped so dramatically. And they're like, they're really trying to, they're trying to do something. Data breach notifications rose 8% to 356 data breaches on average per day, which is insane. Regulators are expecting, quote, major headache for organizations in the future as EU and U.S. data transfers are becoming more complicated from a legal perspective. So, yeah, we just wanted to share this story because uh, there's a lot of argument over, like, do laws even work? Do regulations matter? And we definitely don't think that you should rely solely on these regulations. But I think that shows that uh, countries are starting to kind of react and take this stuff seriously and hand out fines and say you've got to do something. Is it effective? I don't know. But they're trying. That's what I wanted to point out. Okay, Henry gave me all the really heated political stories this
0: week. (laughs) That was not on purpose. (laughs) Liar. (laughs) These aren't aren't even heated. Uh, I feel strongly about this one. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) tell you what, uh, we'll we'll compromise. I will make sure to to comment on this one at some point in time.
1: Okay, so this next story is um, something that many of you may have already heard about or seen. The UK government is planning a huge publicity campaign to undermine encryption. They are currently spending... About 534,000 pounds, which I think the EFF said is like 700 and something thousand dollars, to run a smear campaign against encryption in the hopes of preventing further end to end encrypted apps, specifically Facebook Messenger. They really seem keyed in on Facebook Messenger. They have hired an agency behind a famous election poster that says labor isn't working. I apologize, I'm not from the UK. I have never heard of this poster before, but uh, from what I understand, it's very iconic in the UK. So this is a really experienced, powerful ad agency. They're also proposing uh, a lot of other ads and publicity stunts, like the one they listed. They wanna take two actors, one child and one adult, put them in a glass box and have the adult, uh, like they're both sitting there just playing on their phones, but the the adult keeps kind of like glancing at the kid in a very suggestive fashion. And then every so often the glass would like, fade to opaque black so you can't see inside and the whole point is to make people uncomfortable and make people feel like oh you know this is this is bad we can't allow this i guess this is personal opinion but not really um i say don't be fooled they're going after child sexual abuse because it's a shortcut what this is is nearly everyone on earth can agree that child sexual abuse is bad and i agree with that that's really really bad the problem is, the reason they're, they're focusing specifically on this is it becomes a shorthand. If you defend encryption, now you look like you're a pedophile. Like, oh, you want to let pedophiles go free? You want to let them prey on children? It's insidious, it's disingenuous, and it's also brilliant. They know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to completely remove the teeth from the argument by making them look
0: bad if they argue with this. That's exactly what this is. It's completely intentional. We see this in politics all the time, by the way. This isn't just encryption. Uh, it's always like, think of the kids. Think of, um, it's a very common tactic used in politics.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Because it makes you look like, a like here in the U.S., you know, if anybody, if anybody were to ever suggest maybe we should defund the military just a little bit and put that money towards something else, they would instantly be painted as like, you hate America, you want to cut our national de- defense, and you want to open us up to attack, even though it's like. We spend more before breakfast than most countries spend all year combined. We definitely have the money, but anyways, that's a political thing. Different political thing. But yeah, it's it's that. It's, it's a very common tactic in all arenas. To quote the article, according to the presentation, the push will appear to be the result of grassroots action and children's charities while downplaying any government role. This is also unfortunately common, not just in the UK, but everywhere. They're trying to make this look like these are actual concerned citizens who really care about this thing. Don't worry where their paycheck comes from because it is definitely not the Ministry of Defense. The Home Office has faced previous scrutiny over its behind-the-scenes roles in communication plans. It has run operations aimed at countering extremism and polarization, criticized by investigative journalists for hiding the government role in the apparently spontaneous showing of solidarity by minority groups after terror attacks. So in other words, this is like the Home Office's signature move is to make it look like these are just concerned citizens when in reality it's government propaganda. This is a really important story. I had actually originally suggested to Henry that we make this the highlight story either way it's 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 very important. If you live in the UK, be aware that this is going on. One of the things I didn't put in the notes, but one of the things they mentioned is uh, they they the UK. And the agency they hired currently believe that people don't really know a lot about end-to-end encryption. So they want to use that ignorance to their advantage to paint it as this awful, awful thing. Yeah, if you live in the UK, go out, raise awareness, let people know that this is happening. Let people know that it's absolute garbage, that it's
0: not a grassroots campaign. It is 100% AstroTurf government psyop. Yeah, and this isn't just UK-based either. Um, The the battle of end-to-end encryption is happening in pretty much every country in the world right now. So even if you're not in the UK, it's still important to spread how just basic tools we use every day implement end-to-end encryption. You know, it's not like this dangerous thing that everyone is using. If you use iMessage, you're technically using end-to-end encryption or WhatsApp. Like all these services utilize end-to-end encryption. Even Facebook has an end-to-end encryption option in -hmm. Facebook Messenger. Secret chats. Yep. Exactly. So keep that in mind. Like this isn't some like, oh... You have to download the Tor browser to access the dark web where you're going to find all the spooky hackers. It's like, no, you already use end-to-end encryption, most likely, every single day of your life. And that's one of the reasons why you can say uh, you have semi-decent security with your messages. So. And for the record, this is exactly what I meant when
1: we were talking about, like, the, the sheriff's department encrypting their radios. Like, this is exactly what I meant, where they'll go out and they'll be like, oh, if you use encryption, you must be a pedophile. Meanwhile, ignore the fact that we're encrypting the entire police department. Like, I don't know if I've told you this before. I have a friend who works in law enforcement, and when I first downloaded Signal years ago, he popped up in my contacts. was like, oh, here's people you know with Signal. And I texted him, and I was like, oh, hey, I didn't know you had Signal. And he literally goes, yeah, we have to have it for work. <laughs> And then three years later, William Barr becomes head of the FBI, and he says end-to-end encryption is bad. Like, just the astounding hypocrisy of it. We're going to move to Austria, where the decision has been handed out that the use of Google Analytics violates uh, GDPR. Now, yes. Now, it is important to note, uh, currently this is only in Austria, although other EU member states are expected to follow suit. And at the moment, this only applies to prior events. So in other words, um, this doesn't stop future events google analytics usage it's just saying that yes using it in the past has violated gdpr there's been a lot of headlines saying that google analytics has been banned in the eu that's a little bit misleading although it is very possible it could go in that direction for anyone who's wondering how it violated gdpr the short version is it exposes eu citizen data to u.s intelligence agencies apparently that is not allowed under gdpr good for austria hopefully other eu member states will follow suit and hopefully this will result in Again, a going forward ban where Google Analytics cannot be used in the future. And then just one more quick story, returning travelers made to hand over phones and passcodes to Australian border force. We've talked a lot about stories like this in the US, how people are particularly when traveling internationally, uh, even American citizens returning home, they come into the US and their phones get confiscated and taken into another room and most likely cloned and unlocked and people are asked to turn over their passcodes and stuff like that. Just wanted to let you guys know that it is now happening in Australia Um, probably has been happening for some time, honestly, but this article shows it's becoming more common.
0: By the way, we, I I don't, I'm not normally a huge fan of like cloud backups, but this is actually a really good use case. If you have like a safe, a safe end to end encrypted zero knowledge cloud backup solution, you can quickly back up your device and factory reset it before traveling and then quickly restore it when you get to where you need to go much easier on an iPhone than an Android device. I, I really hope there's going to be, like, a better Android backup restore solution one day. That doesn't require, like, Google. Almost done through politics, guys. <laughs> Two more stories. It's been a long week. So It's election first, year, so there's going to be a so lot of So true. Stuff. The first one, you can help Chile write free software values, privacy, and digital sovereignty into their constitution. So this is a signal boost for Chileans. Chile has voted to update their, constitu- their constitution and some of the proposals, including data sovereignty laws like privacy and digital sovereignty. So, just a plug. Up next, uh, the Winter Olympics app. This has been, like, kind of a big thing. Um, So, Beijing has created a mandatory app for all Winter Olympics attendees, press, and athletes called My 2022. Experts have declared the app is insecure, allowing man-in-the-middle attacks and is subject to censorship based on keywords and an unclear privacy policy. Who would have thought that the Olympics in China would have led to this? So so the data collected includes device identifiers, service provider information, installed applications, real-time location, and more. It also collects passport information and more from foreigners. Experts are recommending anyone attending to use a burner device, which is kind of a terrible recommendation but I guess that probably is one of the easiest way to circumvent this unless you're like on Android and you can set up a, a second user account or a work profile and use a VPN and implement all these crazy tools, but just having a second device is probably an easier way to do that. With that, we will go into FOSS, free
1: and open source software. Thank you guys for bearing with us through the uh, politics section. I know that was a long one this week. We're gonna start off with some good news from Proton Mail, who is now blocking tracking pixels. And from what I understand, they're only blocking the tracking pixel and not the rest of the image. They're also hiding your IP address, even if you're not using a VPN. As far as we can tell, this only works on the web version based on the wording of the article, and this is opt-in. So if you are interested in this, make sure that you go ahead and enable it. But yeah, basically now, if you log into Proton Mail via the web, and you're opted into this thing. Kind of like DuckDuckGo's uh, privacy email thing, they will load the whole email, all the pictures and everything, but they will detect and remove tracking pixels so it loads safely, which is awesome because I am tired of not being able to read emails from my apartment complex because for some reason they send an image with all the text and everything. So if I block images, I can't see anything. So
0: this is cool. Up next, Briar, probably one of the highest most secure private possibilities you have for a messenger uh is now available for desktop on linux they have had it available in beta for a long time but my guess is it's now out of beta go check it out very cool uh Tech Lore, we have a review of briar um if you want to check it out it's a very good messenger for those of you needing the uh, the utmost safety with your messages
1: And last but not least, Wine 7.0 has arrived with a, quote, large number of improvements. This has over 9,100 changes from Wine 6. This includes improved support for portable executables, better support for 32-bit apps. I'm, like, really paraphrasing all this, by the way. Uh, Improvements to the graphics and much, much more. Wine, for those who don't know, is uh, basically a Windows emulator for Linux that kind of runs natively so it's not like a virtual machine it's like this program you install and then a lot of popular windows programs will run on linux uh i was actually amused in the article they said nine out of ten of the most popular programs are games and number one is world of warcraft i was really amused by that so yeah if you're a linux user and you're like man there's this one windows program i just cannot let go of and i wish i had it like Wine is the way to go. Um, We don't normally recommend it because it kind of comes with its own set of privacy and security risks. But, you know, if it's just that one program you need and you cannot find a good alternative, Wine might be a good solution for you. And now that there's a new version out, go ahead and check it out. With that, we will move into our final section, Misfits. We're gonna start off with the Google camera randomly changing some URLs on QR codes on Android 12. So this issue seems to arise because the Google camera app attempts to autocorrect URLs that it believes to be wrong, which is weird. There are three specific rules here. The first is that certain country TLDs only certain ones, by the way, like .ru and .uk will result in an arbitrary period being added. Skimming over this, the article goes into detail exactly how this works. So if you're curious, check that out. Second is that many TLDs that are more than two letters like .com or whatever, well, .com is not one of them but more than two letters are automatically cut down to two so for example like .art would be .ar .audio would be .au which completely changes it cuz .au I think is Australia and the final one affected numbers in the subdomain so for example www6.rbc.com would become www.6.rbc.com and the amusing part is that all three of these issues can actually stack So all three of them can be triggered at the same time and just completely destroy a URL. It's actually really funny. It's unclear what's causing the issue. Uh, Google is working on it, according to the article. But in the meantime, just remember, yet again, QR codes are dangerous. And if you're using the latest Android, which we recommend,
0: just be aware that this bug is a thing and scan with caution. Two more stories. First, nine-year-old kids are launching DDoS attacks against schools. So a recent study in the UK shows that DDoS attacks against schools more than doubled from 2019 to 2020, with the average age of the attacker being 15, with the youngest being 9. Police are not only using scare tactics, but also trying to urge kids towards ethical careers in tech, gaming, and cybersecurity. And Nate and I were talking about this beforehand, but Nate uh, talked about how he thinks it's very effective for them to just be introduced to the fact and that this is something that you can actually do in a safe environment for good causes. And that's something that could be very effective for children. And our final story for the week, NordVPN. This video is what now. It's So NordVPN <laughs> said, actually, we do comply with law enforcement data requests. So back in 2017, NordVPN wrote, quote, NordVPN operates under the jurisdiction of Panama and will not comply with requests from foreign governments and law enforcement agencies. Which, you know what, is pretty direct. Um, but they recently edited that blog to say we will comply with law with lawful requests as long as they are delivered according to all the laws and regulations. We are a company that protects the security and privacy of our customers, but we operate according to laws and regulations. They claim the edit was made to clarify how they handle and respond to law enforcement requests because it frequently gets misquoted and misrepresented. So the takeaway here, like everything else, all companies are required to obey laws. If you think some company is going to protect your ass for $5 a month, (laughs) you are out of your freaking mind. It doesn't matter if it's ProtonMail, if it's NordVPN, if it's the best VPN on our charts, they're not going to protect you behind. The best thing you can do is trust that they'll protect you in things that they can verifiably protect. So, iVPN will stop your IP address from being shared with the sites you visit on a day-to-day basis, and it will make sure that your your, your ISP can't view your web traffic. If you actually are relying on IVPN or any of these VPNs to protect you in a national investigation, you're out of your mind. And they say this themselves. That's what separates like a good quality VPN provider and a crappy one. Like, IVPN is very transparent. They even have a tool that's like, is a VPN right for me? And if you select certain things, they'll be like, no, like don't use our product. Like, IVPN has some of the best marketing because they actually come forward and tell you, this is what we won't do for you. Remember, companies are companies that have to respect their laws or else they simply get shut down. just basic. I don't know why we have to explain this to some people. Um, And then it's always like, oh my god they handed this over in a national investigation and pretty much promised to hand over exactly what they said they would. So that was the week. Uh, Again, the main stories for the week, the IRS may soon require an online selfie, the UK is running that massive anti-encryption campaign which we are not fans of, Briar got a desktop client, and lots of other political news, Um, so much stuff. Uh, very big week, and we'll see how long it is after I edit it down. Again, promo spot. If you got all the way through this, I don't know why you're still not subscribed to the New Oil's channel on YouTube, because it's just ridiculous. Why would you not? Like, you can literally be one of the first people to subscribe to the New Oil, and you can say that to your friends one day. You can be like, hey, oh wow, the New Oil, million subs. I subscribed when I was one of the first subs. Um, and that's some serious power there that you're really missing out on. We want to thank you for listening to the Surveillance Support. We're happy to know you're trying to stay safe out there. And the final thing we ask you to do is to share our podcast around. Make sure you subscribe and definitely give us a rating if you're listening from a platform where that's an option. We want privacy to reach as many people as possible and you can directly help us with that. Yeah, so please help us out. Thanks again for listening and see you all next week.